0: Welcome to She Thrives ADHD, the podcast where we proudly embrace the intersection of ADHD and feminism. I'm Louise and I'm here with my lovely co-host Laura. Both healthcare professionals, Laura's a midwife and myself a mental health nurse, initially united by our joint pursuit of women's mental health. We now have both been diagnosed with ADHD within months of one another and in true ADHD fashion, we set to work on understanding, sharing and embracing our challenges. We're absolutely thrilled to have you join us on this empowering journey. At She Thrives, we believe that ADHD is not a limitation, but a gift to be unwrapped. And when combined with the transformative principles of feminism, it becomes an unstoppable force for positive change. Each week, we'll delve into the dynamic world of ADHD and feminism with the help from our guests exploring their unique connections, challenges, and remarkable triumphs. From personal stories to expert insights, this podcast is your go-to source for all things related to these empowering identities. Together, we'll challenge stereotypes, debunk myths, and champion neurodiversity and gender equality. We're committed to fostering a supportive community that celebrates the brilliance of ADHD minds and the power of feminism. Constantly looking
1: at my
2: constantly Sorry. looking
1: at my phone yeah yeah
2: it's i and actually that i think the over planning brings a lot of anxiety
1: as well doesn't it yeah you, yeah. yeah i've got like five sheets of paper in front of me messy handwriting i can't actually understand what i've written but i'm thinking uh this might help me uh if my mind goes blank it's, <laughs> <laughs> probably won't look at it but um
2: hopefully like... your mind won't, won't go blank blank um 'Cause I always find that um everybody that we've spoken to on the podcast, yeah. um and I don't know if you find this with other people who have ADHD yeah. or any level of neurodivergence, the conversation tends to just um flow because we have so many, I don't know, shared experiences maybe. Yeah. Um I there's a lot of a lot of stuff to um to talk about and I I think there's just a a varying amount of experience and um, things to share which is
1: yeah it it is true and also this we know we've entered the space knowing that this is a space of um, acceptance yeah no judgment no shame yes
3: yes and compassion
1: um and so that makes it a bit easier um and also I was watching about a year ago some um uh, online webinar sort of for a whole like two days on ADHD and women it was was great It was very good but the number of times this each speaker said oh what was I saying oh I forgot what I was saying it was so refreshing to see that yeah yes and it's great so I was just like it's great so and even if that happens great but it's not the end of the world and it really isn't you know we're still here we're alive And I've been kicking. And then when I'm with my clients, when I'm working with them, we're talking and they say, Oh, mine's gone blank. So it's fine. Just chill. Just ease into it. And once you sort of relax into it, it can come back into your mind, maybe a bit later, maybe two o'clock in the morning. Exactly.
2: And you sit bolt right up in your bed and you think, Exactly.
1: Yes. But exactly. A number of times that happens. But sometimes we do. If we just relax and breathe and just bring it down it can come back a bit later if we sort of know that and I do that all the time in my sessions and then and I'm modeling that look I forgot what I was saying I chilled a bit carried on about something else and then it came back it sort of creeps back forward is it safe for me to come out this thought sort of like coming forward and and it can happen do you share that do you share that I do I I do because I like to um say look I was going to say something then I forgot um but let's see I'm gonna chill and let's see if it comes back and and some most often than not it comes and the clients I work with they know that I have ADHD and autism as well yes
3: that's what I was going to ask I think that's a really interesting one because um obviously being quite newly diagnosed myself and then and now kind of working with I mean just the very nature of mental health because obviously that's my background yeah. is that you're going to have lots of people with overlapping symptoms and oh, yeah. so I think I've always really related to to patients and clients wherever I've worked but now it feels like there's this there's this kind of club like in a good way yeah. a good club yeah. like a um I, I feel quite comfortable to disclose it and you know, when I started, I've seen you know you've got lots of experience with it. And I, I suppose, when you first started practicing, I mean, bound for us particularly as as medical professionals, it was boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Yes. Don't share anything. Don't, yes, yes,
1: yes. You know,
3: and and it was always like really frightening. Like, mm-hmm. um, should I say something about myself? Should I not? Um, but I find I think I've quite naturally and organically happened in my work that um and even before I got diagnosed that just starting just sharing little snippets mm. allows to redress that power balance. Mm. Because it's it's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? I suppose if you've got a client coming in and they're like, oh great, there's this amazing counsellor. She's gonna just fix me. And I know that we I know that we obviously set expectations and all the rest of it. But there, I mean there is that that power imbalance, isn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also it's um I guess it's it's been real and honest. I, I want to be congruent. I, I don't. I, I'm boundary as well within that, but that that is within my of boundary, course. of course. So and so I've included that in my boundary to say that this is. So I usually said that right at the outset when I have the very first um, phone call, which is like an assessment. Mm. We talk about background history, best hopes, and, uh, and 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 with that information, I sort of give a plan of an outline of how. I think we could work together, and if it's acceptable, then we go ahead. Um, but so I know, I say then I mentioned that, and it's on my profile, which is on the BACP register.
3: Wonderful, yeah. Which
1: it says in there that I'm a neurodiverse counsellor, and um, I think more often than not, it's hard to say. Somebody, people usually say it's okay, and they they work with me. A handful of people who choose not to, and that's fine. Could be whatever reason, and they probably won't say. Actually, I don't want to work. Although one person has mentioned that, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's a choice is theirs, it's your choice. And and mm-hmm. we are first and foremost human and individuals. Yeah. We're unique. Um, and we all bring something new, fresh to the party. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And I think, I think that is I think that's really important to highlight is that um, you know, first and foremost, we are humans. And if if you can share a little bit of yourself i think it helps the client to understand um that you know you you have an understanding or you have a genuine empathy for what they might be going through in terms of their neurodivergence it just yeah. brings that humanistic element to it and takes away another barrier almost
3: yeah. it
2: does um, yeah it does that's what you don't want to take away from um from what they want to share but um, I mean, and I don't know if this is a, a relevant example or not, but my daughter goes to a special needs school, mm-hmm. and within that school, they don't call the teachers Mister Smith and Missy Smith. They call the teachers by their first names, and that I find is so refreshing. And actually, that's nice. What if we did that across?
3: Yeah, all yeah. of the schools.
2: Yeah, yeah, because. Mm. what it's doing is actually it's allowing children to put trust in Mm. their teachers it's allowing them to kind of be a step closer to the teachers without being unprofessional I think obviously there still needs to be boundaries in place there but you know teachers Mm. are humans as well as are healthcare professionals um, and I think it's important for people who are essentially service users to to have an appreciation of that yes Um,
3: Mm. yeah it yeah. can feel i i it, it can feel for me when um as was a lot of the flavor of, of what I do I you know I'll give quite a lot of advice and recommendations mm-hmm. and things like that about um you know about kind of improving mental health and but sometimes I hear myself speaking and I'm like Louise like would you just listen to yourself come mm-hmm. on do it. do it yourself you know and it's we've always got the answers. We've all, always got them in our in our kind of yeah. toolbox. Yeah. But we don't necessarily yeah. use them on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. and but I know, more, sorry. I, go on. I I just find that I'm more comfortable now saying, you know, maybe you should do this, that, and the other, and let's try this, let's try that. And I say, oh, look, I know it's hard to yeah. always like doing yeah. it. And I think, yes, for me, that just helps break down those barriers because the last mm. thing I want is that people are coming see me. I know that they need to be able to trust and have faith in your kind of your professional expertise and hopefully that is the case for most of us or all of us but I also want them to realize that I'm not per- I'm not perfect human because it can be like you say there can be that shame that judging mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah you know it's interesting when you're talking about um yeah exactly that but you mentioned trust mm-hmm. and um relationships trust foundation of all relationships and. Um, and you're talking about um, relationships with teachers. And I was listening to your last episode when the speaker was talking about not getting on with a teacher. So mm. it's so much of what we do and our experience and how we can thrive. is can be based and often is based, is based on a relationship with another person. Yeah, and, and How do you build a relationship with another person? And trust some teachers that we like because um, we just get a good feeling a good vibe it's that gut, yeah. that intuition um it's that relationship and that we do well yeah. in that subject teachers don't like sub t- 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 don't like the teacher don't do so well so it's yeah. so important to invest so much in a relationship that's it And we sort of know that but it's obvious you know no-brainer but it's important to highlight mm. absolutely
2: yeah
3: yeah absolutely in fact what's 10. your um Would you mind sharing your kind of personal story as as much as you're comfortable doing? Yeah, because I know know you you said you have ADHD and autism. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's right. Um, That's right. And so I guess late, late diagnosed as many women. um, And um, but through throughout my adulthood, I, I sort of knew I'd always sort of joke with my friends and say, they said, or said i Z, I'd say, it's not on my timetable, so I'm not able to do that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was always a joke with me. But uh, sort of thinking back... I joke my but you meant it. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. It's true. Uh-huh. It's not my schedule. I'm not going... Uh, to do something with, that without warning is discombobulating. Um, yeah. This is what I'm planning to do. Great word. Yeah, um, Yeah, I love that word though. <laughs> no, it just rolls off the screen. It's you're bouncing about so, um uh, <laughs> But throughout my childhood, I was like, kept below the radar. I didn't want to be noticed. It was invisible at school. Nobody understood me. I didn't know what wow. the hell was going on at school. I mm. just went with the flow and just copied. I was in a daze in my own world. And that all makes sense to me now. And even at uni, even at work, it was never picked up. When I was a kid, nobody knew about anything about neurodiversity or anything Mm. like that. Um, But even at work, it was never picked up. You know, master master, masker, doing so well in the job I do um, and enjoying it. But, gosh, nobody knew, obviously, the amount of hours and effort that I put in and also the quiet time I needed when everyone had left the office Mm. for me to get down to do stuff and therefore do long hours getting in early because it's just too noisy and getting in and yeah settling in to the day going in to a school for example at about eight o'clock noisy everyone's rushing around teachers getting ready going in like slightly earlier it's calm you can ease in to your day leaving ease out leaving late that is when it's quieter so yes your questions are meandering and also so I'm going to meander lots um I oh, do very soothing oh do you okay. meander all
2: you want because I'll go
1: into work in a very relaxed state at this ah, rate. <laughs> lovely that's nice to hear that's nice to hear uh that's quite important as well to get that feedback because obviously a lot of work I do is online so mm. um it's nice to, to to know that um diagnosis you're talking about um so later in, later in life, mostly it was about autism. I always sort of knew autism, yeah, I can understand that. And, and it's interesting that I gravitated in my professional life to, in, mm-hmm. to work with children who had autism and ADHD because I thought, yeah, I get that, I understand that. Yeah, now I know why I understood, why <laughs> something was comforting, why flapping a child flapping their hands was comforting for them. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, we didn't get excited. We get, oh yeah, we're going all day really exciting. You know, we, we, we do that. Everyone does it. You know, we flap our hands. Again. Yeah. Yes. It's a release of energy. It's a huge build of energy within us. It has to come out. And just yeah. like we've been we have um feeling anxious and feeling really intense inside. It's like I always say it's like a tsunami of feeling. The tsunami is so big and powerful, is building up, it's rising. You can see it, and it has to. Follow through. It hits the beach and there's devastation. But when we feel an overwhelm of feeling inside, it's intense. We feel that tsunami is rising and it's scary, and we know what's going to happen. But we can acknowledge it. We can create a bit of distance. It all takes time, and then mm. it has to follow through. It has to come out. But we can do it in a safe, safe way. That's what we yeah. work towards, yeah. allowing it to come out in a safe, safe, healthy way. So,
3: so again, that's yeah. a lovely way of no. That's such a lovely way of saying it actually because i've got some really bad examples you know um, like acronyms yeah. or, um but that is really lovely that sense that the feeling is so intense it is and it's because it's hard to describe to people isn't it it's hard yeah. for people who maybe don't typically experience those those intense emotions regularly yes
1: yeah. yeah. And, and boy, are you exhausted afterwards as well? Mm. It's exhausting. So mm. much on the body.
3: Yeah. Um, and you think what? Just listening to you say about the, the kind of sensory things, you think mm. about. And it, it's something that it's only coming into my conscious now. You know, and just trying to understand what what people are going through and, and acknowledge what m- me myself go I go through. But you know, that you think about the child who has got extreme sensory sensitivities that has to get up in the morning, has to put clothes on that feel comfortable, has to get in the shower or brush their teeth they don't like the taste. Um I don't know. And if, it has it, to feel right. It has, has to, to feel right. right when you're
1: doing these
3: yeah. things. Yeah. But you're being rushed in a, in a world made for neurotypical people and it's that. so I can't, you know, the stress then by the time that child gets to school. Yeah. I mean, Crikey, that must be, and then you're expected yeah. to sit in a class and and kind of it just for me, it's only just becoming, I'm only just becoming really aware of it. But I bet for you, Laura, you've been aware of this for a lot longer because of. Well, your,
2: yeah, in it, terms of um I Jodie um just to kind of update you a little bit, that she's 14, she has autism and mm. ADHD and um, it's a very difficult age, isn't it? Fourteen, anyway. But I think when you throw in that kind of level of neurodivergence and learning difficulty, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think probably we forget, as parents, just how difficult it is for her, um, and we find it very difficult to, to know what is. Um, not bad behaviour, but what is just typical teenage behaviour that we can perhaps um, reprimand or encourage her mm. to do differently versus mm. what cannot be helped. You know that like, I'm getting better at spotting what might have triggered a particular meltdown or an aggressive outburst. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, as parents, I do find that very difficult. She hates getting in the shower. She hates washing her hair. She, um. She, she's just I mean, she's just slow at doing everything and there's that kind of sense of urgency in the morning because she loves her sleep and it's really difficult to get her up and
3: moving. So as well,
2: right? she does get up and moving, she's bloody <clears> nails <throat> pace, So I feel as if I'm just down her throat all the time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, last night, for example, we had a bit of a to-do because her bedroom was a mess. So we'd asked her to tie to the bedroom and handed her the hoover and said, and once you're finished you can hoover your room. but I don't know how to hoover. Well, you do, you've hoovered before, you know, and actually our room probably didn't really need hoovering, but it was just that whole act of, we would like you to do this. This is a chore, you know, whether it's you view it as pointless or not, just carry it out and do the task. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can have some screen time or whatever. But my God, she went on and 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 on, and on about how she had to have company, you know. And then I thought, Jesus, God, my husband said to me, do you think I handled that wrong? Because, he, I mean, he was adamant. And I said, well, I mean, you could have maybe approached it in a gentler way. You could have maybe just met what she was requesting and went up and stood beside her as she hoovered. Um, Because that's that's actually all she wanted in the end. Once I had finished eating my
3: tea,
2: I went up and I was like, right, there's the hoover. So you show me what you think you would do with the hoover. And then she was, I mean, she was able to do it. No problem. She yeah. just
3: wanted
2: the Yeah. I don't know, a bit like a security blanket or something, yeah. I
1: suppose. Um Yeah, yeah. That that's that's really interesting actually. And so lovely actually the way a difficult situation handling it in such a nice holding it nicely. Um yeah, yeah children need boundaries, everyone adults, everyone needs boundaries. All yeah. need boundaries, and that's important to teach that as well, because even if a young person is resisting and saying no and feeling intensely inside, it can be quite scary as well. So it's even more important to have to hold the boundaries so that provides s- safety for yeah. them as yeah. well, doesn't it? And um, also... That's
2: a, that's a really interesting
1: yeah.
2: perspective, actually, because I suppose my um, natural view is that boundaries provide almost like discipline rather than safety. But you're right, it is. It's about safety exactly. as long as...
3: Yeah. yeah. Isn't when you say about boundaries my so just very quickly my husband um really struggles with being firm with our children. He's mm. um I think he's got, you know he he has ADHD he has you know RSD as, as well as you'd expect and and we kind of understand it a bit more now. Um but when he he's when he is firm with them now or he has to discipline them or set those boundaries he is always shocked that they still come back to him and love him. You uh, know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, but no, that, that's what they they don't know they want it, but that's what they want. They need it because yeah. it's like you say, it's that safety of knowing, yeah. oh, this is how far I'm gonna go, but then they're gonna kind of catch me, I suppose, isn't it?
1: Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just like it's like and and young people and adults humans test boundaries. It's like an elastic band. You you sort of stretch it, test somebody might test to see how far it will go. And then mm. Uh, depending on how the person setting the boundaries and they get a sense of, all right, this is how far I can go. Um, all right, I got an idea now. This is the remit within a, which I work. And they, it's, yeah. they're it's they more aware of what they can, for example, yeah. boundaries exactly. in counselling, how yeah. much they choose to share um, mm. and how it goes. It starts at this time, ends at this time, bang mm. on. I will turn up. That builds trust, you know, someone who turns up and sticks yeah. to, yes, we said we're going to start at this time, we're going to end this time, and sticks to it then they know yeah. that. even if yeah. it's like going a minute over it's like panic we are supposed to finish yeah this can be um uh work against the trust that you work that you work so hard to build um but you know the other thing you're saying about um the company wanting company that more sport, yeah. that's so can be so helpful just for having someone even that seems seemingly a simple task to encourage um adults and young people that this has to be done all right how about i I you need to make that difficult phone call how about I sit next to you and we we'll do it together just yeah. someone being there just helps you yeah. know just kick start it's that task initiation is so difficult yeah just get started so tough someone
3: next to you nice so um, would, that in the, would that be in the same kind of remit it's like body doubling that's her yeah.
1: body doubling say. is amazing that's the same thing it's just yeah. having the yeah. of yeah. another relationship again coming down to a relationship somebody is giving their time to be with you in something that, in virtual commerce, is simple but it's actually very hard to do. Yeah. So that's the relationship you're building, aren't you? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And they place some understanding, no judgment. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And absolutely. So if we, what about your experience as a child? So you were masking a lot. Mm. If it, mm. it sounds like you were. You must have been so stressed masking that much. Did do you find that it it manifests itself in other areas for you
1: I think yeah I think that um you, you hear about children young people going to school and masking being perfect and very different when at home yeah explosive and then that's yeah. an indicator that they're trying so hard to do the right thing to concentrate and and please the teacher and understand their friends and not break up friendships and Oh my yeah. god! It's just so god. much. Even thinking about it is making me tense. And I get home, and you know. Usually the mum or whoever's a primary caregiver gets it, but yeah. also at least it comes out. For some people, yeah, that's they may internalise it and keep it in. Even at home, nobody would know. Maybe at home it's not a safe environment to release yeah. all of that. I just kept everything in. I didn't say anything to anyone. So at home, I was just really did everything. So I think internalizing can be, can be worse, even, you know? Yeah. I like imagine. I said earlier, at least it gets out. You've so when this, my- it has to come out, just like the tsunami, devastation. Yeah. Extended devastation looks awful, impacts yeah. other people, uh, but it's out. Now, you know, the people, the children that get diagnosed are the ones where it's externalized because they are a in commerce problem to other people to the teachers they say all right we've got to do something about it but the 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 ones who internalize keep quiet nobody knows none the wiser and especially with girls um keep it quiet keep um very good at masking and Mm. may get diagnosed much later on puberty usually when things just get way too much it's like too much and and the brain is the target organ for estrogen so fluctuations during puberty cause um you know that that young person that young woman to to therefore react because it's just all going on and the brain's yeah. responding in that way and we know you know before periods as well and during yeah, but... estrogen levels can be particularly difficult
3: um so the quiet ones yeah they Stayed and would you say radar? Would you say high IQ is a barrier as well for diagnosis?
1: Oh yeah, it could because exactly because it, 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 when you're a pain to someone else, inverted commas said with love, you know, then that's when people do something, you you're you're acting out inverted commas or your grades aren't good, but if you keep it in quiet, keep it inside and you do really do really well um seem to have friends but you might be just copying them and following them around yeah. and girls tend to look after each other especially at primary not so much at secondary things yeah. come up more than you see um notice more in secondary but yeah in part primary yeah you're just carrying on but nobody knows that that little girl took ages do to learning a, learning a spelling yeah um, that you had know had to or, work much harder much for... right, three times out, or stayed up late yeah. to to on a project that she'd be doing, or started like her project on the Egyptians, like may have had like four weeks, but she started like a few days or night before, you know. But nobody yeah. knows. Masking, keeping it to yourself, quiet, but getting it done and doing damn good. For you, so for, so for you,
3: mm-hmm. that you internalized throughout. It, yeah. You weren't coming home like a pressure cooker, you no, were no, 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 no. continuing that yeah. you know, yeah. very yeah. compliant. Yeah, compliant. very compliant. That's right, compliant. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's all got to go somewhere, doesn't it? So if you're it not letting out, you're holding it, it within your within your body,
1: then. Totally right. Within your body. That's where the yoga comes in really yeah. nicely. There's yeah. this uh, fantastic book. I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, The Body Keeps a Score. It's really famous. Yeah, yeah. Bessel van der kolk Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so he talks a lot about he talks about trauma mostly, but we can apply it to other things as well. Um, things that we experience, body remembers it. It's yeah. because when something happens and you get stressed or upset by something, you 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 go into fetal position, you cower a bit, your shoulders get hunched in, you know, draw your knees up. Yeah, you go inward, don't you? Yeah. And body remembers that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when something happens, you might naturally do that. And it's stored in the hips and shoulders like that. So when you, you're in yoga yeah, and you're something shoulder. like, yeah, yeah, t- that's nice, nice, actually. Nice to sort I of roll back, and back. When I'm
3: stressed, my shoulders. Yes. That's yeah. They're so interesting. It is. I, I think we
1: forget. could run this into an online yoga session now. Yeah. We could. It <laughs> yeah, could, could do. It could do. Um, um, so, when you're in yoga and you do what the, what's called chest openers and you're sort of broadening your collarbones and your shoulder heads are moving back and you're really opening your chest, and it can seem really unusual, um, especially if you're used to hunching over. And when you do a set of those, at the end you might get a release of feeling, which is yeah. good. It's the release.
3: That you
1: um, want. So uh, the yeah that you want. So that's why in the book, um talking about yoga, releasing things that the body has um stored inside for a lifetime perhaps, then that slowly gets released. So you don't have to talk about the trauma. It's you can just it's an really embodied, embodied experience and releasing yes. it in that way. Yeah. And in the hips as well. That's why we get really tight hips. And if you open them up, the same thing can happen as well. well so release.
3: And that's interesting yeah. about the trauma as well, isn't it? Because, yeah, people don't always want to I'm not ready. but still It's not stress.
1: necessary to actually, re, it can be re traumatizing to talk. It can be. It depends. It depends, yeah. like, you know, the, the individual and training yeah. with the therapist. Oh. But yeah, but that is one way to release and incredible. we forget we forget what our body's doing
3: yeah. we just
1: get caught up in our minds we forget how to f- that, that body is sort of um we, we experience the experience of physical sensations we only may remember it when we have a panic attack when the mm. body's screaming listen to me listen yeah. to me how oh, you have no choice well it's actually probably building up
0: yeah
3: yeah,
1: yeah. and we may not notice it if there's a disconnect so is that how
3: do you do you feel that like, yeah. like yoga or yoga particularly yes. Is is the one
1: for you, is the one that helps yeah. you. Yes. That's I've been practicing yoga for many, many years. Okay. Um and um yeah, it it, it helped. And it, it and during times are difficult. Um uh, you see online articles, yeah, I'll do some yoga, and then I say, Yeah, I'll do yoga, and then for that time I'd be focusing and I wouldn't be thinking about my troubles. But when I left, they'd come back and think, oh, God, it's too much. But then over time, you, depending on, again, the relationship you have with the teacher and what you learn in yoga class, mm-hmm. you learn to things that you learn, you can do outside of your yoga classes, yeah. like the breathing. And everyone talks about breathing. The and the, but, Yeah, and then people talk about me breathing and mindfulness, and you think, oh, it's a bit boring. It's like, yeah, breathe. I breathe all the time. But then it's really, that's a big conversation in itself and the um i think it depends on the relationship like in counseling the relationship once i've had a good relationship then i introduce the idea of breathing and because they the clients trust me a bit they're willing to try the breathing as opposed to session one just breathe oh well i am breathing (laughs) you know hyperventilating Actually, you (laughs) you need to trust someone else to try a new
3: strategy i agree i agree that's my experience as well because lots of you know lots of us particularly if you're you know if you're in quite a state of agitation yes that's not the time to start learning to breathe mindfully is it i mean it's true you just, right. just 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 go in steps and and maybe do something else that's a bit more mindful maybe you know sitting there and and trying to get rid of thoughts from your or uh, you know kind of clear your mind in a way or <clears throat> breathe deeply if you're if you're too agitated i, I almost feel that it can make things worse for some people who have quite. I'm not saying breathing techniques make anxiety worse. I'm not saying yeah. that at all. I'm talking about different levels of distress, and yeah, and sometimes that it, asking them to do too much of that focusing is is not the answer. At that point, they say you haven't built up that trust, or yeah do you know what can help in those situations is oh, um
1: so when um so when i'm in counseling sessions and talk, when i uh, get to a point in the relationship that yeah this um this sort of foundational trust has sort of is, is there and then talk about breathing is to practice breathing yeah. when you're not highly anxious
0: practicing yeah, breathing yes. when
1: you're feeling okay or maybe feeling a tiny bit uncomfortable you don't have to label a feeling or, or get caught up Well, oh, how am I feeling I don't know but you can just call it comfortable or uncomfortable noticing when you're feeling comfortable what that feels like in your body but noticing when you're feeling uncomfortable um small little stages um throughout the day throughout the week I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable okay now it's within my um, I can tolerate this level of discomfort. Maybe I can try a bit of breathing. And if it says sort of a uh, longer exhalation shifts emotional state. So I'll try and box breathing or even just basically inhaling and longer exhaling and trying it for a, a while, doing a few. And if you're doing box breathing, it sort of helps with the fingers and as a visual as if you follow your finger. But when you're doing it, when you're less anxious and you actually feel a change and notice a change that's evidence Mm. but when you breathe deeply your heart rate does go down yeah we know that so therefore if you've done that when you're less anxious when you are highly anxious or really distressed and if there's a bit of your mind that's a bit open and your brain hasn't been completely flooded with cortisol and if you've been trying working on yourself it's increasing self-awareness then a bit of that door may be open the fact that that you're able to think is a good opportunity that oh you're not completely flooded oh, I can try breathing out. I've seen the evidence. I can try it and see if it works. And it takes time. And there's a whole load of different types of breathing. I can guide you through a breathing, alternate nose breathing if you want. Um, And you've got the evidence. And then you might be more likely to try it. But consistency when you're less anxious and consistency when you're feeling anxious to try it as well.
3: Yeah. So that kind of evidence, <clears throat> that's thats a really good way of putting it. It's its a way of trusting your own techniques, isn't it? It's trusting yourself to be able to, um, that this, this is going to work, because like you said, there's evidence there. And I suppose it works in reverse with things like graded exposure, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, e- e- yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Uh, I, I think I well, understand what you mean.
3: Trying to, yeah. Just trying to... Um, just going at things very slowly, approach mm. a fear very slowly. So if your mm. fear developed at yeah. supermarket, then you know, maybe think about mm. go adapting how you go, going mm. at times quieter or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The first builds up in your brain.
1: So, oh, right, yeah, so in, in terms of the evidence, yeah. So it wasn't quite understanding the link. But yeah, the evidence, you build in evidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah training yeah. your brain
1: yes. to Yeah, because the brain has it. a negative bias, it will remember. Um, Mm. or remember things that didn't go so well. Yeah. yeah. To protect you, all that didn't go so well. So, you know, I want to protect you to make sure that you're safe, but it doesn't fine tune the experience. So that's when you have to actively fine tune. No, there is not a bus coming towards me. It's just somebody didn't reply to my WhatsApp message. Um, and so, (laughs) yeah. So, 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 you know, my life is not in danger, but so we do, it takes a lot of, um, positive self talk sounds so basic and so simple it's actually it's, really it's really it, difficult it is very it's very it difficult to do. It. totally when, when you especially when you've had
2: a lifetime of um, negative self talk uh, trying to strong, unlearn yeah. that is and really kind of mindfully trying to not slip back into those habits um uh-huh. yeah i think that's yeah. really important um although it sounds really basic, it sounds as if you're yeah.
1: um,
2: just calming somebody off, like, oh, go and do yeah, some, yeah. some breathing exercises, actually. <laughs> it does, yeah. It's much more yeah. powerful than we give it credit yes. for, I think. I think that a lot of people, it sounds a bit um, urban and kind of yummy mummy type. <laughs> feel that you give someone like try a month of mindfulness and see if that just makes
1: difference. Just, just breathe free.
2: and the yoga moms and all yeah. that kind of stuff. but actually if if people could understand yeah um you know the likes of um the body remembers that you know if we were a bit more educated I think then we would appreciate the positive effect that these things can have yeah on your life yeah. Um, so, did you did you start practicing yoga with that intention to relieve yourself of kind of past trauma or um, all the kind of trauma held within your body, or did you just do it for exercise, mindfulness, mm. reading? Mm.
3: That's
1: a really good question. I'm trying to think, but oh, okay. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I think I remember when I first did yoga was when I was pregnant. I've got two boys, Ah. so um, so that's when I did started because yoga is very good for antenatal uh, antenatal uh, thing to exercise. That's how I thought. So I think um, I remember my yoga teacher saying that that's how a lot of women enter yoga through antenatal classes, Mm doing what's best for yourself um, and and the baby, Um, and also some people enter as a form of exercise. But it's actually so much more than that that's just an element it's just an element of it. that's the, the 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 movement that we do in yoga and there's so many different types is to prepare ultimately for meditation so it's strengthening mm-hmm. the body and linking the mind to the body and uh, using your breathing to sort of for purification to cleanse the body because if you're not sort of strong in body, strong in mind, how can you sit down and meditate um that's the ultimate. the ultimate goal and it's a long, journey you know cliche (laughs) but um it it takes time and it's individual it's an individual experience but um yes but but yes I think I started like that and then just got more and more and more into it and then when I did the teacher training I thought I need to um combine yoga with counseling in in an official way um and so so that I can with my online work do talk about Take different types of breathing, for example, that's easily accessible online, but also face-to-face, doing some counselling, yoga together, intertwining
3: Mm. uh,
1: more movement based on what the needs of that individual is, sort of emotionally, mentally and physically, um, and really going with that flow of um, embodied sort of experience of how you're feeling and how to release it. And we can talk if we want or we can move. But it's. I think it works so well yeah. together.
2: And, and so are you then able to almost um, recommend certain stretches or certain poses yeah. that are going to help yeah. them to release a particular yes area of tension or yeah.
3: Um, that's really yeah. Interesting.
2: It's a bit like um, social prescribing, isn't it? That, yeah, yeah. That you're able to do there and then and facilitate that. I think that's really yeah. interesting.
1: yeah. And and also. Some things don't feel right for an individual. Some asanas poses don't feel so right for an individual. Uh, maybe it's just that moment in time. Maybe it's a physical thing or maybe it's just, just some sort of resistance for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting and to clock and maybe address later on as well. But, um, but yeah, so, again, what's appropriate for that individual in mm-hmm. that moment? Well, it's like anything really, any sort of. Thing. It's relational as well, you know, building mm. a relationship again it always comes down to that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, and I hope you don't mind me asking a bit of a more personal question, but um, in relation to pregnancy, when were you diagnosed? Then, were you diagnosed pre-pregnancy, post-pregnancy,
1: post, 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 post? Like okay. a, few, a few years ago. Okay, my children um, are in the twenties.
2: And how how would you describe your experience? Now looking back through a neurodivergent lens, yeah, yeah. how how would you would you be able to kind of recognise what might have been done better for your pregnancy experience, your delivery experience? Mm,
1: Yeah, so yes, that's right. Um, Yeah, gosh, you know, I hadn't thought about that in terms of my pregnancy experience Mm. as well, actually. And um, well, I had to have it my way, first of all. Like I was very adamant that I don't wanted a water birth. So I'm both mm-hmm. born in water and from a sex at home as well. I remember my doctor say no, you will really you can't have a home water birth. And no, don't say no to me. And mm-hmm. I did my own found a wonderful <laughs> midwife and was able to facilitate that. They didn't have that in my local area. That's why he said no. Anyway, so no no understanding. Mm. I want to be heard. Do mm-hmm. not want to be told? listen yeah. to me, listen to my opinion, Hyper sensory experience yeah. as well, yeah. and therefore needing a release mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. labour, during delivery. Um, and again, hypersensory, sort of the actual delivery, the actual birth, some bits that were quite difficult, sort of um, the, the water I knew would help because I knew the idea in my mind of delivering out of water, definitely not in a uh, supine position for me, being upright. I just knew that wouldn't support me. I just knew that this is the way it needed to be. This would work in water to, yeah. to keep me buoyant. But it's, a lot of it was a sensory thing. It's obviously hugely sensory, isn't it? Yeah. Childbirth is like... Um,
2: One of the probably most mm, um, yeah sensory-orientated experience that you might have,
1: I think, personally. But yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So I, I knew what
1: I needed to have, but yeah. I didn't get the support initially, but I had to find it myself and then I did find wonderful midwives who just understood and, and were there. Yeah. I think I had like three midwives at home. Wow.
3: And that's really amazing. I think that's great for you to persist like that, isn't it? I did. It's, that's really positive because mm. so many so many of us don't understand <clears throat> even our own needs or what, what yeah. we can have. or And we still live this, in this real world of, just do what we're told it's true um, isn't it yeah and and like say so even though you didn't have any diagnoses at that point yeah. it you were still able to recognize where, where you where you need to yeah, were, yeah. Mm. and
2: then yeah. how how did you find um your postnatal experience if you look back on it do yeah. you did you feel overwhelmed yeah you, yeah. What, what, yeah and obviously yeah. you know sleep is very important for everyone but particularly for the neurodivergent brain, sleep is a massive factor. And I think that's always very difficult to navigate for someone who's neurodivergent in the postnatal periods. That Actually, you have this other human being that's entirely um, dependent on you to keep it alive and to help it thrive, but also, you know, at your core, you you need the sleep to be able to function well. Um, how how was that experience?
1: Yeah, so true, so true. Yeah, I didn't sleep. Um, I think I slept for many years. I think I had a full <laughs> night's sleep and the children were in school. Yeah.
0: So um,
1: yeah, so, so true. And and I I masked a lot. I wanted to be a perfect mum mm. and uh, get everything done myself, not ask for help. And there was lots of help being offered as well, but just uh, sort of. Um, Overcompensating, thinking I, I, I must do it really, really well because inside I, I, I'm not I'm not doing well. So going mm-hmm. above and beyond and just and then adding to it is just too much um, and not accepting help um, and getting really down and upset. I do remember my midwife at my post later, I remember this, when they did that questionnaire saying, oh, you're not depressed, are you? No, uh, because I was you doing so. for you she said that and then that actually would have been an opportunity for me to say actually it's too much but yeah. she saw me being perfect yeah but if she had asked the question properly as you're supposed to as, yeah. you know, and maybe that would have been an opportunity for me to say actually no it's, it's too much I can't I yeah. can't do yeah,
2: this yeah yeah and, and I think we do generally just put ourselves under a lot of pressure particularly in that newborn phase and it's almost as if, and I don't know who we're trying to prove a point to, but we're trying to prove a point that we can manage. It's there massive. is
3: a there is a statistic, isn't there, about um, women in the postnatal period, oh. um, not getting diagnosed with any mental health problems, and it, and it is mostly women from a professional background, from you know maybe I don't even like like an educated background or professional background where you can really sense what you need to, it's that masking yeah, and you can yeah. sense what might be perceived as a danger. And that's at the core of everything. It's your child, isn't it? You know, mm. we go back and we unpick things mm. more often than not. It's, I don't want anyone to think that I'm a bad mum or, yeah. or, 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 threat, all, or yeah. there's any threat to that. Yeah. Mm. To that relationship. Mm. Um. Yeah,
2: I think it's obviously my background is in midwifery and that's where my um, research is going to be centred over the coming months, which has given me a feeling of excitement and dread in equal measure. But um, I do find it very interesting that specifically in this generation, we're dealing with a generation of women who may or may not be aware that they have ADHD or autism just just by default because it's never been recognised and I I just really find it particularly interesting that quite often postnatally comes with an extreme sense of overwhelm and um, yeah I just wonder how we can make the pregnancy and postnatal journey better for the For women on the whole, but specifically for neurodivergent mm. women, and I'm mm. also a great believer that whatever we can do to improve it for neurodivergent women will mm. benefit neurotypical women as well. Because always why it does
3: it,
1: yeah, yeah, always. Also, it's just like in the classroom. Um, the the strategies put in place for the child that's neurodiverse will help everyone. Visuals, yeah. Yeah. clear instructions, yeah, you know, in sequential order, help everyone. Makes sense. Yeah, um, so true, and it's also it's in the detail as well. You're talking about what would help uh, women postnatal, antenatal. It's not about the detail, because it is in the detail that that makes a huge difference. Like a small shift in something small can make a huge impact, positive impact. Um, And it's the detail for every individual, you know, might be different. It just gets a bit difficult. But it's just important to notice that the detail is, um, I find, is where it's at yeah yeah absolutely yeah
2: yeah and, and so your boys are grown now what are they um do they live close by or are they yeah, They're with me
1: both uh, neurodiverse, right. yeah. and so a lot of support yeah. there as well yeah and yes.
2: and how was that for them kind of growing up how soon did were they diagnosed
3: mm. um
2: yeah how how was that for you as a neurodivergent woman with neurodivergent children
1: yeah. um that's one thing I would say I wouldn't maybe want to go into if we can edit because yeah. want to, as they're young adults, yeah. I, they're talking about their experience and they're quite private. I don't think yeah. they would. That's a few, That's a few. I would on a personal level be happy you know in a one-to-one yeah, yeah, yeah. i would yeah. answer that but maybe not here. Yeah. Is that okay yeah absolutely that's absolutely i appreciate you saying that at the beginning as well actually i could have said that at the beginning because i thought that but i forgot uh, no
3: that's fine I think I forgot. <laughs> 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 so my ask i'm quite interested the sessions you do that yeah. where you combine it with yoga are they like one-to-one yes yoga talking all, all in one yeah because that yeah. sounds amazing
1: yeah it is and it's um it's th- so it sounds like a lot and it is so it's not maybe all of them in one in one go but then yes it is and it also has includes a, a good sort of relaxation at the end as well mm. so um so because it's nice <laughs> basically but also it's another embodied practice of focusing on different parts of your body um mm. and that's quite hard for people with ADHD, actually, because it can be, sort of a, for want of a better word, a bit boring, perhaps for some people. But I think okay. what that actually means is it's, boring is the wrong word, but people say it's boring. But actually the, the word is probably that it's hard to stay engaged with something so specific over an extended period of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to keep your brain stimulated is what it actually means. But it's the relaxation part that allows you to focus on different parts of your body um, in sequence um, and sort of, in a half sort of yogic sleep, one foot in, one foot out, you're sort of aware, but you're also relaxed as well. You've got a balance going. You're not like totally zoning out and falling asleep, although some people do, and that's fine if you do. But it allows for you to feel what also different parts of your body tuning in because we don't. Um, and also th- th- see what a relaxed state feels like when we're so used to be intense, anxious, and restless. To see what that experience is like, and working towards trying to get a bit more of that as well, in session and out of session as well. So yeah, it combines lots of things, really.
3: Yeah, it's That's interesting. It's interesting because, like you say, it's always um, yoga is always on the list of of things to do to you know in- increase your well being. And I, I've been on a course recently around um, eating disorders in neurodivergent yeah. people. And, um, and we're talking to a yoga therapist who who kind of deals with that demographic specifically, and that sense of calming the nervous system. Yes, totally. Is, That's it. Is key, isn't it? For for those of us with ADHD and, and autism as well, I would think.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I also include another <laughs> thing. I include I do. I, i I pack in a lot in my in my session like, oh, yeah, you get their money as so well I... yeah i hope so i really do hope so and, and also i've got to say it's my special interest that's why i, I go for it you know yeah. Like yeah. yeah counseling my special interest combining and working doing that amazing yeah. but also how, um, how good is that though that's
2: really know, inspiring really, that you're able to it, it, use your special interests for you know your life's work or you yeah. know your to pay your bills and
1: yeah it helps is not yeah. it yeah um And I can go on about it as well. Um, So, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Which is why this is great. So I can go on about it. Um, Um, Polyvagal theory as well. I don't know if you've yeah, heard. Yeah,
2: yeah, briefly, yeah,
1: yeah. And you you hear about the vagus nerve a lot. People talking about yeah, yeah. vagus nerve is calming, and that's to talk is about the va- um about your nervous system. when you mentioned the nervous system. So the vagus nerve is the tenth cranial nerve, just at the base of your skull, and it's vagus means wandering. So, so it's a, a few nerves actually that wanders throughout your body, below the diaphragm and above the diaphragm. So in your gut, brain gut connection. You know, yeah. and a lot of people are neurodiverse. May have got issues, perhaps, possibly. um So below the gut and above the gut zone, so your sort of uh, your your heart, your lungs, um and also your throat and your face as well. So basically, the idea with the vagus nerve is your it's like an internal surveillance system. Your body's looking out for cues of danger and cues of support all the time. So that's why having a negative bias, thinking, "Oh, this is a bit dangerous. or oh, we don't like that." You know, getting anxious, do something about it. It's, you have this feeling to propel you to do. To move, get out of the way, keep yourself safe. There's also this vagus nerve is also looking for cues of social connection and safety, building mm-hmm. relationships, which is why the vagus nerve is in, sort of in the face as well. Looking, we look at other people's faces for cues of safety or danger, so we can mm-hmm. sense a slight nuance in either direction. If someone mm-hmm. makes a slight facial expression change, our nervous system kicks it up. Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. sort of super sensitive, have RSD, uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Super super honed into that, and yeah. then your anxiety comes up really quick and you just picked up a very subtle shift in someone's facial yeah. expression uh because you're you're tuned in and if you uh, if you, throughout your life if you've been constantly hypervigilant you're super tuned in yeah. um and so um that's why the vagus nerve can help uh, it's like uh behind the throat as well, which is why uh, like singing, humming and chanting even stimulates the vagus nerve um and uh bring anxiety down it's also interesting in terms of yoga the chuck there's a chakra throat chakra there as well which is interesting there's lots of chanting in yoga so that helps do de- that's why it works so uh, well uh yeah. um, you've got science so you've got, isn't it
3: because these ancient these ancient totally. kind of practices yeah. they wouldn't yeah. have had the science to yeah to kind of back it up at that time would they but exactly. just knew instinctively knew this is going to help
1: very very interesting, so basically, that's why I think it works really well, so the psychoeducation of knowing what's going on in your body also helps you bring things down you' you're you're befriending your nervous system basically mm-hmm. um so what are we talking about Oh, yeah polyvagal theory, so incorporating that in understanding what makes you what triggers you what's going on, how you can calm your nervous system down, understand what's happening um and say to yourself you're safe through various sort of various um techniques and exercises um and um also one thing is sometimes we don't know why we feel anxious we think but i don't know why i feel like it's really uncomfortable i don't know why Uh, we don't because it's this is what i also like about polyvagal theory it removes judgment no there's nothing wrong with you um it's just the fact that your internal surveillance system is so fine tuned to pick up something that you haven't even clocked it in your conscious mind but unconsciously your internal surveillance system has picked up a cube that's related to maybe previous experience that's making you feel like this so that's when we can think to ourselves uh think positively well oh, i look around me everything seems fine i am safe and exercises mm. that they may have may have learned to bring your anxiety down you can do so so you fine tune by befriending your nervous system, and polyvagal theory teaches that. And yoga is one of the ways that you can help bring it down, plus other strategies are yeah, that
3: we use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's a really effective one. And is this the is this what the the book that you're writing is kind of?
1: Yes. Yeah, so so yeah, I'm writing a book. So I'm thinking, I've got lifetime experience of being obviously neurodiverse and professional experience. Um, and lots of books that I've written, I don't know what your experience is, I'd be interested to hear on sort of self-help books for people in are neurodiverse. They're OK. They're all right. Some great books out there. You know, there are some wonderful, great books, especially Ned Hallowell Love them. Oh, I, love him. I think he's amazing. I love him. Um, he's brilliant. And my he's, favorite. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And his books are really interesting as well. Um, especially he's neurodiverse as well
3: yes yeah
1: yeah. yeah yeah so i like that but there's some other books that are a bit not, not in, going into the detail like i said earlier it's in the detail and sometimes it can be so basic but it's in the detail you make a slight shift here huge um impact so the book that i'm writing and sort of been working on it for a while actually and this is uh, one of the reasons like i said earlier to wow. coming on here is to getting out of my comfort zone because this is hugely anxiety provoking for me. You know, I'm much older now, you know, I'm a a mature adult and I can make lifestyle changes in which I have, which have helped. But doing something like this, which is not of my choosing, I'm using the things that I speak to other people about to bring my anxiety down when I'm here. So the book I'm writing is looking at the detail and it's like, it covers a whole load. I'm trying to think, I thought... um, each chapter looks at sort of little steps that you can take addressing a specific issue psychoeducation things that you can do actions mantras um Mm -hmm. extra things or taking one step back benefits something somatic you can do grounding exercises yoga other things like journaling information and polyvagal theory as well um self-care and um but, the, cha-
3: what was my
1: chapter? uh, but the, the chapters I'm going to focus on will be like sleep, eating, focus, organising, self-work, social planning, oh, wow. <laughs> balancing emotions, time, time awareness, adapting to change, sensory overload, goal-directed resistance, think before you do, response inhibition, distress tolerance. Bloody, but I've got so many. It's like uh, it's a lot.
2: Um, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so it's going to be really helpful though because I think that's what I'm working on the devil's in the detail as you say and the
1: detail and and, and yeah. so but by addressing all these things but in a detailed simplistic way that's easy to reference you have to read whole big long chapters it's yeah. like bullet points and visuals so you can dip in and out yeah that's the idea
2: and I think um, the thing with you providing so much detail it's going to bring so such greater understanding to
1: people of how it's going to help them well, I hope so. well I hope so because it's stuff that um that I've done myself but it's not all about me it's also my professional experience as well my personal experience yeah. Yeah. and stuff that I've uh, worked with my clients and that they've used um and some work and for them and some don't some of these things work for me much better than others but the fact is there's a huge selection it's out there easy to access it's very specific so some of the books that you see they might talk about organizing something but actually there's like probably 10 other steps or 20 before that you can achieve that point achieve that that part yeah, yeah. you know that's what that's the thing that yeah. I find that's the detail that
3: and it's going minute. slowly isn't it it's thinking yeah. well, well where do I start where do you start and particularly yeah. that that sense of like you said you can dip in and out of the book that is yes. really appealing to me for example there's not a chance i would sit and read an, yeah, a, you know a self-help book it. like yeah. that cover to cover yeah because it's not always relevant to me at yeah. that point before. yes um so with my adhd brain i'll just go oh, i don't need. But yeah yeah i'm just skip this or put it down but yeah. if you can dip in and out that sounds really really useful
1: And it's very clear, the idea is that it's clearly labelled, there's a familiar format. So repetition aids uh, consolidation. So there's a repetitive um, format um, with each chapter. So you will get, like, grounding exercises for each section. You'll get something specific on yoga for each section. You'll get different action points for each section, benefits for each section, psychoeducation for each section. So Mm -hmm. hopefully... That's the So you nearly finished with it is it No no it was taking me ages I'm just I'm just so I'm uh, trying to put a proposal forward for a publisher and it's just uh, so much work just to do that you have no mm. I don't know uh, it was such a surprise that that in itself was, is a huge job so I've been doing that and I have to uh, provide one chapter so the chapter is on emotion regulation uh, of course so um and that's a <laughs> biggie so um, Yeah it is and also I'm You took talk, it uh, talked about um body doubling, Lisa like earlier, and doing something with someone else. But the fact mm. that I've actually told you as well and other people who'll be listening, I now have to do it. Accountability. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. It's making me do this
3: yeah. as well. And we will Starting. be checking. You do know that. <laughs> ah, we will be checking. Like, checking my homework. When <laughs> is it on <laughs> <Amazon? 30 laughs> some deadlines. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds really very really useful. And I think I hope so. Uh, just just before we kind of leave it there it would be will you be able to give us your details for people to access your services as well yes yes, yes. a good point good point magical. yes it is possible so so so, so, you so can just email that if you want if it, and then i can um yes yeah I'll do that. in the show notes she says like i know what i'm doing it's normally laura oh. who does all that but
1: yeah that would be cool that would be yeah, very I'll, that would be I'll good give it a go. can um
2: can i ask you a question yeah. um about body repetitive behaviours. yes do oh, you yes. have yeah. any in particular yeah. that you do and yeah. um what does that look like for mm. you so mine is mine is um finger picking and yeah. at the minute i've gotten infect, infected two fingers these two yeah. um that are particularly painful and throbbing and weeping yeah. when i get up first thing in the morning yeah. Um, so I've been kind of walking around a bit like this trying to yeah uh, trying to drain it and um Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean it's a perpetual cycle for me that actually because the skin's injured, then the skin then becomes dry and then it yeah, it attracts me to pick it.
1: Exactly. Again again it's it, it, it's a condition in itself. The name escapes me, but there's a condition it's, it's what's a, called yes. a, Yeah, I can't remember Ooh, what it's called yeah I can't remember I've got it written down yeah. somewhere in a book um it's a comorbidity I don't like the term comorbidity yeah. I like to say co-occurring condition I've and started
3: saying that as well. um, I heard yeah. it it. so yeah. co-occurring I've started yeah that's yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah and that is yeah it. yeah um and I can sometimes find that I pick my skin around my nails they're called hang nails. the skin um around yeah. your nails um but yes um for me, it's I, I will rock. If I'm sort of mm. a bit nervous, I wait at the bus stop, always I will pace. I can't stand. Yep. I will pace walking in a circle like a caged tiger. I'm, I'm pacing and I'm walking. If I'm tired, then I'll find I'm sitting down on my bed. I'm rocking side to side. And the reason why we rock is it's comforting. And these, mm. p- re- these repetitive behaviors are comforting. But also in your brain, your brain likes the rocking motion, just like when you're holding a baby. You rock yeah. them because it's soothing so we self-soothe by rocking so it's mm-hmm. actually help it's a helpful strategy it is it you know, brings it down it helps yeah. you balance yourself it's a bit of like proprio, proprioception you get a sense of yourself in your in space around you as well mm-hmm. it's sort of um, it's a bit grounding as well so i did that and i wrote it down actually so you'd ask me what else do i do yeah pacing um yeah, and I always have little bits and bobs around me that I, like, fiddle with. Oh, yeah. Something to fiddle with that feels quite nice in my hand. Yeah. in
3: my hand. It's so interesting you say that. I, I met somebody the other day, um, a young person who um, is neurodiverse and autistic, and he gave yeah. me this frigid thing. I've seen my kids use them. Yeah. 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 And I thought like, this is really cool. And he showed me different things to do with it. He gave it to me, which I thought was really that's kind. That's really that's kind, yeah. It is kind. But I thought I actually quite like it. Mm. <laughs> I thought i see my kids with them, but actually, you you um underestimate the value of, of, yeah. of small things it's like right. that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so simple, and also it's finding what suits you. So I like this little squishy ball. It's got just sensory wise, it feels so it's satisfying to squeeze. Yeah. I know lots of people who don't. And uh, and when I'm working face to face, I have lots of things like my face to face counselling work in schools. Then I have lots of things that are sensory, that are calming yeah. and just just satisfying. Yeah. It's just satisfying, mm-hmm. and it's a, again, it's a release. It's a release. Things that like we talked about mm-hmm. earlier on to prevent you getting to that tsunami level. You want gentle releases yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, so, yeah. because yeah. builds up. It all builds up, and then sensory wise, it's too bright or it's too cold. Even you could have the homeostasis within sort of settle mm. yourself before you can uh meet demands externally yeah. so you've got to release energy as well as one of those yeah. things yeah. i could talk to you i, one could, I, really these, um, I could i could talk through, yeah but... there you go yeah yeah jewelry
2: Thanks. and jewelry just the problem watch. is though i forget to use it and i just start picking my fingers or twirling yeah. my hair that's another one. Oh and yeah oh, that's very cool that, though, been going to the osteopath a couple of times a week because I've got some kind of repetitive strain injury from just oh, really? anxiously twirling my hair all the time. Oh, have um, you really? Wow, uh, cracking yeah.
3: your arm down,
1: Laura. I know was, <laughs> I have tried to finding an trying. alternative, a suitable alternative that's always
3: finding an alternative, isn't it? You can't just remove remove those techniques, those, yeah,
1: those yeah. Those because y- yeah, because it soothes you, but it's just finding something that's healthier.
3: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. so mine's skin picking and, and I've mostly stopped and I've started again a little it's bit. It's easy too, yeah. It's quite cool. It man. is easy too and it's recognising when you're doing it, isn't it? It's thinking, okay, oh, I'm quite tired or that's kind of stressed me out or now I need to just take a minute. Absolutely, mm. it's just knowing when to when to slow down and mm. calm your nervous system. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it is, yeah.
2: So I think it, i just have to fix it, my
3: family though to calm my nervous system. Oh,
2: yeah. Is having a separate apartment somewhere when <laughs> staying that a couple of times a week, like a, a time <laughs> share. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, did you want to ask your
3: famous last question? Well, yeah, I mean, I can do. We, we all you've probably heard it this kind of what's the most ADHD thing that you could say that you've done. And when I, I'm sure you can imagine what I mean by ADHD thing, yeah. like,
1: yeah, totally. I think yeah 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 and i've heard you uh, on the episodes as well um i mean i do remember going to the pharmacist to pick up my prescription and they said i think you've picked it up no i haven't picked it up you i think <laughs> well, records show that you have They're so lovely i love them they're so lovely and then i really don't think i have oh, oh okay all right here you go here it is again and he hands it over and the moment he hands it over something clicked in my brain it's like I remembered I remember that remembered. I that oh, I remember, okay but still the thought didn't come back to me that I had picked up the medication wow. already yeah. it didn't come back to me but it was it was just the moment there and then when I went home and looked in the cup and it was there in the bag picked up but I had no. not remembered it at all
3: you haven't remembered no, did no, that dog your memory did you remember once you realized no,
1: so once I no, but when I when he was handing it over, something clicked, but it didn't. It didn't, I didn't get come the full image. So when I got home, I actually saw it. I thought, I had to see it to think. Oh, I did pick it up, and then I vaguely had a vague memory of like a week ago. Picking quite
3: frightening, it up. isn't it? That I, was I mean, a bit frightening, like that, and it, yeah. it can be quite. Yeah, I that was think, a bit. Yeah, yeah. You lose trust in yourself, don't you? Yeah. That's yeah. when you start. Always yeah. second, third, fourth, checking yourself, and mm. yeah. Oh I God. continue an
1: embarrassing one that I did not so long ago, which was on my teacher training, um, which was um so the the lunchtime before the assessment, the practical exam, very anxious, a lot of mobilized energy rising, and I'm trying to do lots of things to calm myself, uh that a yoga to calm myself and breathing and still it's still there, it's still there, but I'm still trying to keep it. But then just, just like half an hour before something is just peaked within me. And then I just, with people around me, and then I'm just, like, got so much energy. I'm walking around. And then I'm starting to singing, like, the Rocky theme song and (laughs) punching into the air, like, yeah, because I'm so excited and just too much. And everyone's laughing. That, of course, eggs me on to do it even more, as we do (laughs) with ADHD. Something just happens. I'm entertaining. It's funny. It's encouraging me. Nobody's reining me in. I need to be reined in. And very silly, very embarrassing, but it got it all out. Yeah. And I did very, you know, I think I did a good job. <laughs> 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 it's
2: embarrassing.
1: But, you
3: know, whatever.
1: I don't sort of get so embarrassed anymore mm. as much.
3: <laughs> it's been amazing talking to you today. Thank yes, you. I just, so really I enjoyed it as well, so actually. calming. Thank you. Person. Right. I can imagine you're extremely good at your job.
1: I hope so. Well, I do enjoy it. So um yeah, I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> so, I mean
2: I still feel
3: too. I might listen mm-hmm. to this back and just yeah. Yes. Oh good. Mindfulness. Yes. But well, yeah. I really, really really enjoyed it. Yeah. I
1: really enjoyed it. Something I thought was like some something evidence for me to um yes, recall that I was very worried a bit anxious but also excited. So uh, we feel anxiety and excitement stem part in our tummy as well mm. and so it's hard to differentiate but I've really, really enjoyed it. I've to remember, yeah, just lean into it, enjoy
3: it. And it can be fun. I think you yeah. should consider doing your own podcast about teaching. All the it's staff.
1: more admin. It's more admin. I can't do it oh the admin. You can get someone to do that for you. Come that's on. true. Delegate, that's true.
3: Delegate.
1: But you've done, you've
2: done really well. I would never know that this, you know, was um, yeah. kind of
1: built up to be an anxious masking <laughs> well i think actually because masking. we we had said at the beginning that it's an environment of acceptance and yeah. you know that that makes a big difference but also believing yeah. it you can say yeah. you could believe it oh so absolutely believed okay. it yeah. so you saying that really helped so thank you both. i'm for glad you up.
3: believed it
1: oh, it's yes. been
3: very really lovely talking to you same here take care. You and you.
1: Bye. take
2: care
3: bye bye guys
2: Laura, she's Louise, and we've both got ADHD.